This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager. This is episode 57. And again, we have the very talented Christy back. Welcome to the show. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me back again. Yeah, and you are on a little bit of a tear here. I think your your consecutive uh, show's streak is is climbing steadily. And I know Matt had about 23 or 24, I think, in a row. But I'm hoping that you can overtake him. I know. When we had to miss last week, I was bummed because of the consecutive episode. So, yeah, hopefully I can get up there with Matt. Yeah, and fortunately, um, you know, my uh, I came down with a pretty nasty little cold last week, so uh, it wasn't going to be pretty for anyone in terms of you listening, and it was in my head, so it was like one of those where thinking didn't really work so well for me, so I think overall, it's probably best for all of us. We keep the consecutive streak going, and you guys didn't have to listen to a show where I'm just like, hello, this is the news of the week. That would have been bad. <laughs> but let's get to the EdTech Rundown. EdSurge gives us some ways to use EdTech to get learners active and moving. They give options for categories like activators, and that's to get students' minds active, Um, healthy competition and movement, which is to get students moving around the class physically. Uh, There's a explore the hallways category. I think that's pretty much self-explanatory. And then they have brain breaks, uh, which are scheduled times and activities that help refocus the brain. Yeah, there's some great tools mentioned in this article, some I've used and some new ones for me to check out and try. Some of those that are mentioned that are some of my favorites are Pear Deck, which makes um, online presentations interactive, Kahoot, which is a quiz making tool where students can respond um, using any device, and of course, GoNoodle, which is one of my absolute favorites for brain breaks, lots of fun um, songs and dance moves that a lot of students like. Yeah, definitely something to check out um, if you're an educator and you're thinking, like, how can I do some things to get people a little more active? Even for yourself, go noodle at home. That's awesome. little exercise there. They're, they're actually pretty fun. So, all right, next up, another EdSurge story gives us five things community college administrators wish ed tech companies would do. Designing tools specifically for community college, better tools for remote learners, and more hands-on help with the ed tech integration are the themes. This article also speaks to one of the biggest ed tech issues facing education, which is to maximize utility. Ed tech needs to be more specialized in solving specific problems, and I'd say not just for the community college world, um, but all ed tech would apply to that. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that with our featured segment, but yeah, I mean, everything sort of needs to be more focused on how does it solve our specific issues, whether it's classroom, whether it's school, district, state, you know, country, whatever the case may be, for sure. Education World covers a Google and Microsoft announcements or announcements for both. For EdTech, Google announced new Chromebooks. Now, these versions of the Chromebook are more rugged for the not-so-gentle student use, and they also include the ability to run Android apps, which is definitely a big step. Um, not to be outdone, Microsoft also announced an under $200 computer to complete compete with Chromebooks, and those computers are running Windows 10, so they're fairly robust, especially for that price point. Um, and I will say in unrelated news, Apple computers are tough to find for less than a grand. Certainly. A new MacBook is on my wish list if that ever happens. But yeah, that price point really does price them out of a lot of the education market. So I love that the Chromebook will have more features, and I'd also really like to check out the Microsoft competitor. 
uh, we looked at a Microsoft product in last spring when we were deciding on which device to use for our one-to-one -one implementation and ultimately went with what we felt was a sturdier and more robust but inexpensive laptop. But I think this new update is something we should check out, especially at that price point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, when you come to Chromebooks actually running Google apps, now you got something pretty interesting here. Um, they can run those Android apps because you're, you're opening it up to a whole new segment of things where it's not just a you know, Chromebook anymore, but it's also sort of a tablet that you can use as you would have other done with, you know, Android tablets before. So, and of course, Microsoft having full Windows 10 on a computer under 200 bucks, tough to beat that. Yeah. That, and that Microsoft suite is, I think, pretty valuable too. So absolutely. Uh, next, entrepreneur.com gives us four startups that are revolutionizing the ed tech world. The four companies they are highlighting are Study Pool, PeerGrade, Time Machine Tours, and Class Tag. One of these, Study Pool, developed by two college students in their dorm room, is providing what they call micro-tutoring. They say, think about when you were stuck on that tricky algebra question in high school and you called your smart friend for help. That was micro-tutoring. Hmm. They claim access to professional tutors 24-7 and have raised $2.3 in seed funding, so there's got to be something to this. The world of edtech startups is huge, and I love their story of how they saw a need and developed a solution to it, particularly in their dorm room. Who knows? Maybe Study Pool is or will be the next Khan Academy. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I love the <laughs> I love the quote there. Think about when you were stuck on that tricky algebra question. Yeah, that's pretty much my entire career in mathematics, stuck on a tricky problem. Hmm. Did you call Matt as your smart friend? Oh God, no! He was way too smart. There's no way he he would have laughed me. There's, no, we fortunately for both of us, we were not friends in high school, so that's probably a good thing. We okay. we, we did not live in the same area. <laughs> well, that does lead us to um, you know, our featured segment, and we're gonna sort of sort of like we talked about before, get a lot more um, hopefully useful information uh, in these segments. And I think, um, you know, last week having the grant or last episode having the grant writer tips, I think was awesome. And uh, this week we're actually going to discuss my four tips or steps, if you prefer that, for um, successful ed tech integration. And first I will mention though, email the show edtechweekly at gmail.com. Um, that's how Christy became a part of the show. Um, that's how Ashley became a part of the show. We had somebody else reach out on Twitter at four tech teachers, um, and they may be joining us on the show. So, uh, yeah, we, we'd love to have you for a segment, uh, even if it's, you know, self-promotion, that's fine. As long as it is, uh, deals with an ed tech issue that we can give some people some strategies and help for, we're down for it. It's awesome. Sounds All good. right, Christy. So there's two things, two well, one big thing that I'm releasing today that I don't even have in the show notes, really, um, for tech teachers, uh, you know, that's my Twitter handle, and that's also a YouTube channel. Um, we just did our first video, um, and we're doing, oh, man, this is kind of interesting, and, and I'd love to hear your uh, input when you get a chance to watch our first video. It is sort of a vlog and sort of... Um, it's going to be tutorial-esque as well, sort of mixing both worlds uh, for ed tech. And so I'm kind of curious. And the first uh, show or episode that we did is on these four steps. So I will put that in the show notes and I will also tweet that out. I did tweet that out earlier this week, an auto tweet from YouTube. But uh, check out that video and give me some feedback in the comments of the video. I'm just trying something new and we're going to try to put a new video out every week that sort of correlates 
with our featured segment. What do you think about that, Christy? Is this a bad idea? Oh, that's a great idea. I can't wait to check it out. I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. Well, so don't I be too harsh, okay? Because this is first first one, okay? I, I enjoy doing videos, and uh, this is fun for me. So learning how to edit, learning how to shoot things, and do all that. So I figured, why not combine the two? Uh, and this will actually give us some good fodder for our uh, featured segment of the week as well. So uh, once again, I'll direct yeah. you to that, but let's get into these tips. And now these of course are not my original things. These are things that I've heard from other, uh, tips from other, but these are the four that I would put in there as if you do these four things, or if you go put these four things first, you're going to be a, have a much more successful ed tech integration. And as always, uh, number one is put students first. Gosh, absolutely. Yeah. What are the needs of the students and yeah, what are you doing this for? Right. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, I, I think, you know, and there's just a, so many things that can get in the way for teachers of putting students first to at no fault of their own. Uh, we get into the standardized testing. We get into the, you have to be teaching this at this time of the day. We get into administration issues. Uh, we get into parents. We get into conference. All these types of things that sort of become the major part of your day. Uh, and it's hard to just remember, you know, in all of our decisions, we should be thinking about students first. You know, regardless if it's a administrative program or if it's for guidance counselors, it shouldn't be necessarily to do our job more, you know, more efficiently, unless that's going to help the students, in my opinion, when it comes to ed tech, maybe that's, maybe that's on the edge. I don't know. But what do you think about that? Well, I think much of ed tech is designed to help teachers be more efficient so that they can then spend their time in a different way. So I think if we are helping teachers to be more efficient, that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree that it's good. But I guess when it comes to, you know, in my head, you know, getting ed tech integrations or ed tech initiatives, uh, you know, it's got to be students first. And so let's move on to our second one. And that's choose ed tech. Don't let ed tech choose you. And this comes from a lot of meetings that I've been in. And Christy, I'm sure you've been in some of these as well, where people come in with product demos and they kind of wow you a little bit and you go, oh, that's really cool. We need that. That's neat. And the problem there for me becomes, why are you choosing that? Because it's neat and because it's cool? Or does it actually fit a need for your school, for your classroom, for your district? I think if you start just kind of looking for cool things, you're going to get led down an avenue that's not necessarily best for you or for your students. Um, you need to really think, what problems do we have? Do we have an attendance problem? If we do, are there any ed tech solutions that can help us with that? Do we have a reading yeah, problem? Are. If so, how do we address that through ed tech, but not the other way around? Like, oh, this is going to teach everyone how to read. That's awesome. Well, maybe your district or your school doesn't need that or doesn't have that problem. So I guess that's what I mean by don't let it choose you. You figure out what you need and yeah, you go to that. What do you think? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I think there are so many cool and flashy and, you know, ed tech things out there that it is easy to get, you know, swayed in that direction um, just by getting on the next bandwagon. So that's so important of, you know, why are we doing this? What, what need is this going to fulfill? Um, and finding, yeah, finding that solution instead of 
flashy thing because as we just talked about with ed tech startups, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of money in it right now and a lot of people trying to sell you products. Truly not a day goes by where I don't get probably five emails about a product, a phone call. Um, there's just so many right now that you do have to be very selective. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, my number three point is work with your technical staff. Uh, again, this is just from experience in a big district. I see people who are running um, ed tech and they're thinking, you know, this program or this device is awesome and we need to have it. And they're sort of just ignoring the technical staff saying this isn't going to work well with our system. And so they end up getting these things and they don't work well and it becomes such a struggle that they're not useful. So to me, you got to work with that technical staff from the very beginning. When you start trying to figure out solutions and finding ed tech, the next step should be, hey, will this work with what you see, with what it has in technology? Will it work with our you know, active directory for our security, for our passwords? If those things aren't resolved, it's going to be really tough for those things to work. Yeah, I know that really frustrates tech teams too when we don't communicate. So, you know, I'm very fortunate. We have an amazing tech team and I think we work really well together. Um, but I probably have been guilty of doing that in the past of just buying, wanting a cool product and not including them because, yeah, there's so many things that they know about that, you know, I, I can handle the curriculum side, but the technical side, that's so important to have them in. And we're just talking about going to a conference coming up this spring, and we're actually putting a team together that's um, kind of a blend of both sides. So we'll take two techs and then two educators um, so that if you're looking at a product, you know, you, you've got both sides right there. And to help with implementation, too, because I do think tech teams really do want to support what's going on in the schools. Um, they just want to be involved with it, too. Yeah. I mean, I think you, it sounds like you have a really good outlook on it. And I think that probably a lot of situations are like that, but I know firsthand that there's experiences where it's almost like there's a grudge between the two. Like, well, they don't want to use Apple products. And so we don't want to, you know, support them because that, you know, it's like this whole thing and it's, it's laughable on one sense, but I mean, it's real. I mean, I've, you know, was in a big district where I heard these things happen. And so it's, it's one of those things where if you do it right, like you're doing and you bring them in from the beginning and you work with them, it's, it's going to be fine. But if not, you're going to end up with bigger problems than even just one ed tech initiative not working. You're going to end up with people being upset, frustrated that you're not consulting them. And that's never a good idea. Yeah. That is setting up your next ed tech initiative for failure. Yeah. And, and this one, if you want successful uh, ed tech integration for number four, my step would be plan professional development ahead of time. Okay. This is not something that you think, oh, here's this great product and we'll figure something out to make sure people are trained. I mean, it has to be included in the cost of goods. Like you cannot just say, oh, we have, you know, $200,000 to spend on this and we're going to put it all into this program. And well, how are we going to train the teachers to use this stuff? It happens far too much. And I'm, I'm assuming based on our conversations and based on things that you have, you're, you have a better handle on that with your strategies and how you do it. But I'm telling you, this is probably one of the bigger issues around the nation in schools is that we just don't plan ahead for professional development and we just have too many teachers that are lost. 
They are, and they have so much thrown at them without the right support. And so, yes, you know, I think we do the best that we can. And in that planning, you know, allocating a dollar amount, you know, whether it's a third of the total initiative, whatever you spend on product, you know, I don't know what that magic number is, but I'd say it's close to a third to spend on professional development as well. You know, what we're finding is time with teachers is really hard. You know, they are in the classroom every day lesson planning, you know, creating papers and to get time with them. You know, if it's not in the summer, um, we do release days, but, you know, we also have problems then of, well, you still have a classroom full of kids, so you have to have a substitute. So finding subs. So for us, it's one thing to allocate the funds, but just to find the time in order to do it is definitely a challenge. So, and I know they want more of it as well. You know, we've got teachers who are willing to do more, but just, um, Finding a way to make that happen during the school year, I think it's challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And part of that can, you know, can be addressed in a couple of ways. One would be um, get some ed tech coaches that come in during classroom instruction time. If you can afford that, work that into your budget. Um, get some people that are, that's their full-time job is to go around the classrooms and help teachers use this stuff in the class. And the other option, quite honestly, that I think we don't use nearly enough is if we're doing this for the students I think naturally a lot of the ed tech initiatives are going to involve software that the students are touching because they should be creating things with it. It's amazing what students are doing, even on YouTube, um, instructional videos, tutorials on how to use things and how to create things with some of these pieces of software. You know, if, if you know your teachers don't have time, and that is a real thing, of course, that's probably a real thing in just about every school, um, try to do things that, students can take some of the load off the teacher by, you know, helping other students be successful with it. And they enjoy yeah, that. Like that's, that's awesome for them. Exactly. You know, I thought for a while, we can't wait for the teachers to be trained in everything that we're doing with students because it changes so fast and the students are training themselves. So yes, we want teachers to be well-trained, but also that's not a reason to not try something out because I think if you've got a culture of innovation and the students are learning, you know, they're going to learn right along with the teacher and sometimes then can teach others. Um, one example just in our school district this week, which I thought was pretty awesome, was one of our um, third grade one-to-one computing classroom or computing classrooms partnered up with kindergarten buddies and they brought the kindergarten class in. They each had a buddy and the third graders were teaching the kindergartners how to code and doing that on their laptops. So, yeah, the teacher was there and monitoring and helping, but it was the third graders teaching the lesson there to the kindergartners, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's that's amazing, and that's I mean that is something we should be leveraging so much because if you um, if you have a kid or if you have nieces and nephews or if you're around little kids, if you're a teacher, you see how much they want to learn from someone who's a little older than them, who they want to be like, especially at that age. It's like you know, you, they have their ears and they know how to communicate with them. It wasn't that long ago that they were there. So it's a little easier. I think, you know, as teachers in almost every way that we teach sometimes get lost in the fact that we've known this stuff for a long time. Um, and, and, you know, talking about our subject, subject areas and it's hard for us to relate. Um, so why not let somebody in a little bit higher class or even in the same class who's good at this stuff do those things for us? I, I really honestly think, um, one of my really good friends, Cheyenne, who's really good with ed tech and, and working with, um, instructional design. We had a conversation hitting some balls on the driving range a couple of weeks ago and, 
it, you know, it's like, she's like, you got to just look at YouTube and see all these kids that are doing awesome tutorial videos for these ed tech things. And that's free. And it's the kids eat it up and they love it. And they learn how to create by watching these other students. This is something that, you know, we need to help curate. I mean, we really have to start doing that. And that's part of what I'm trying to do on my videos too. If I'm talking about a subject that there are multiple programs that can help you achieve those outcomes, then I'm going to put links in there to videos where students teach other students how to learn those things. Because at the end of the day, like you said, it's not even that teachers don't want to learn or that they're incapable of some of these ed tech things. It's like, where is that time? There's already way too many things on their plate. So I think we really got to have to start leveraging students and especially, you know, the easiest thing in the world is to go on YouTube. That's how we all learn how to do things. That's how I learn how to do things. I go on YouTube and watch somebody who knows how to do it. I mean, that's, that's how we learn. And so why are we not letting our students do the same thing? So I think there's a lot of really positive things about that coming up on the forefront um, in terms of professional development being something that is showing teachers how to get to that part where your students are doing these things. Not necessarily here, professional development means we're going to train you on how to use every part of this program. That's just not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't know how a teacher can keep up at this point with all that's out there. So I think at some point we do have to turn it over to the students and you know, they, they learn and then they teach others and sometimes teach the teacher too. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're good examples of this. We're passionate about this stuff and we can't keep up with it. I mean, you know, so how is a teacher who's in the classroom, you know, and, and doing all those things ever going to keep up with it and be able to actually learn and excel at it? It is not easy. And some teachers do an awesome job and they're amazing, but it is not well, something you know, that... one way they could learn and keep up with it. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> there you go. Get on the edtechweeklyshow.com. Get some of these links and they'll help you out. And check out Four Tech Teachers YouTube channel. Again, my first video. The hardest part is just putting the first one out there. And uh, I'm interested to see what Christy thinks. I want actual, honest feedback, Miss Christy. I don't want any of this. Oh, that's pretty good. If it's terrible, tell me it's terrible. And so I, I think that I'm going to find a niche there as well where we can kind of be entertaining interesting for a few minutes of a video and also hopefully inform you and give you some good resources to use in your classroom to actually have some success with ed tech. Sounds good. I look forward to checking it out. All right. Well, check out the show again. Uh, we try to do this thing weekly. Um, if not, I try to put it out on Twitter at four tech teachers and let you know, but um, let's see. You can also follow Christy at Christy M Warren. She's better on Twitter than I. So, um, she's a better follow in terms of, uh, normal Twitter stuff, but definitely we tweet out when the shows are going to be at four tech teachers. So be following us there. Um, Reddit edtechweekly.reddit.com. We still have a community. I think we're up over a hundred people in that community, which is pretty awesome. And I'm excited about that. And we also have a new Facebook page search for us at edtechweekly. All right, Christy. Thanks for being on the show once again, and we will see you next week. Yes? Yes. That's Sounds good. You know what? Next week, I will be at a really cool training. I'm going to have to do it either. Uh, well, I'll tell you about it, but I'll be in San Francisco at the Exploratorium Ooh. at a Next Generation Science Standard training. Maybe I could podcast from there. I think we should try it. That sounds awesome. All right, Christy, thanks again, and we'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly.